an AppleViz original. Hello and welcome everybody to AppleViz Extra number 88 discussion of the Apple's Far Out event. Yes, my name is Thomas Donva, also known as Anonymous. I'm here with my other AppleViz editorial team members. We got Dave Nason. How you doing, Dave? I am very good. Thank you, Thomas. Excellent. I'm glad you're here. And, and we also have Tyler Stevens. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm good. Well, guys, I don't know about you, but that that supposedly supposed to be a really far out event. I yet to see what was so far out about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anybody get the why it was called the far out binding chance? Yeah, it didn't really twig with me. Um, at first, anyway, why it was called that after watching it, because and this it isn't even a criticism of Apple because in a way because like the iPhone is you know this is the sixteenth year I think of the iPhone something like that, so it's not going to be like far out every time is it, <laughs> but um, you know a perfectly serviceable event. But I wasn't quite sure why it was called far out. But um, you guys might have some theories. Um. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of, again, you know, echoing to your point, I don't think I don't think it was very far out in terms of the features or far out of expectations of what the rumor mill was speculating. I think they were pretty much on target by and large. Um, I think the only, the only th- thing I can think of is that it's a sort of an allusion to satellite technology, which we'll get into later in, in the recording. But you think like far out satellites, you know, clever tagline i don't know something like that i'm with you tyler i think it has something to do with the satellite connection will which as you said we'll be discussing in a moment but yes it was pretty much on par of what we were expecting so if you've been listening to the unleashed podcast we've been discussing about the various specification and stuff that you can expect in the events and it wasn't too far from what we thought about there was a few surprises so let's dive into this well the first thing that came up in the event was the set of apple watches so let's break this down to three different sections so apple watch let's talk about the first part which is the regular apple watch so the eighth series is finally rolled out and it now has a new temperature sensing feature. So this is, they were really going deep into this with the woman health, um, being able to check the ovulation um, and being able to figure out when it was the best time to conceive and things like that. And so with that, it doesn't seem like it was like an actual body temperature feature. So it isn't like I can take a temperature. It seems like it was more of a, a long ranging thing that you want to mm-hmm. watch over a period of time. We also got the new set of accelerometers and gyroscopes for crash detection so if you are in a car crash whether this front end rear end side or airbag going off it has all sorts of really cool sensors within the watch itself that will be able to determine if you're in a crash very much like the fall detection as such it will call sos to your emergency responder if you need it too the other cool item that we're mentioning it was the lower power mode which will now give you up to theoretically 36 hours on low power mode which thankfully that feature is available on series four and above so i'm really excited about that and then lastly we have international roaming now being included with the cell version of the apple watch so what do you guys think of this new 8th series, just the standard? Um, I'll start with Tyler. Um, I don't have an Apple Watch, and this does not change my overall impressions of the device. It's not something I'll be getting. Um, that's, I mean, pretty much what I can say, there are some things that sound cool. Uh, like I think the temperature detection feature is something that we should probably keep our eyes on as the you know as years progress because this is a start i saw a report about what to expect from this feature i believe from bloomberg's mark german and he basically said that it's not at this time that temperature sensing on the apple watch is not for detecting fevers 
or something like that. It's more for like ovulation tracking and things like that. Um, things that were discussed today, but I mean, it doesn't really not the, the, I feel like the update to the Apple watch, the series eight was pretty much incremental. Um, so it doesn't really change. I, I'm, I won't be getting one. Hmm. What about you, Dave? Yeah, um, I suppose people who know who are who have been listening to me for a long time will know that I like the Apple Watch, but I'm not like a massive Apple Watch fan. You know, I don't. I've only had two. I had the original, and then I have a Series Four now. So I should be getting towards an upgrade, but I'm not sure if this is moving the needle enough for me to upgrade. Um, it's it's fine. The temperature thing is interesting. I think, like Tyler said, and you said, it's probably um version one of it and it'll it may it may be interesting to look at over time i think they said it can be used for other things as well as the ovulation uh like maybe fevers but it's probably not uh, officially approved for those things i'm guessing and um the main feature is the the women's health side of it which is a great feature um but beyond that, I'm not quite sure what it really adds. Okay, it's improved Excel- accelerometers and things, but they're the, you know they're very much incremental, as Tyler said. I think it's got the same chip as the six and the seven. So I'm in a situation where well, I'm on a four, and next time I upgrade, I want it to be a big upgrade because it might be another three or four year cycle for me. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of waiting almost for a slightly bigger upgrade before I <laughs> before I jump in. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. Um... I have a Series 5. I went from a Series 1 to a Series 5. That was a big jump for me. And so I am not quite ready to jump up. The phone, or I should say the watch, is doing great. It does everything I want. Now, it does include some of the new features. This is just a slight update. It is what, like Tyler says, it's more of a S model. So it's just a slight mm-hmm. uh, enhancement from last year's model from the 8th. But, um, you know... I went away with it like I don't need it either. Um, I am curious. Tyler, what would persuade you to buy a watch? Is there a feature that you want? or? So, I mean, maybe if I really became a diehard fitness enthusiast, like I work out regularly. I use the elliptical. I do some kayaking every now and again, uh, sailing, skiing, things like that, but not regularly enough currently where I track my performance. Um, so where I would track it over time or where I would want to get my notifications on something other than my phone, say if I was in a pool or hot tub or something like that and really wanted to check my notifications or check the time, something like that. Or if there was any other feature, you know, beyond what I'm envisioning now, features that a watch could do, hypothetically, that my phone could not. And for my use case, there's nothing that the Apple Watch can do that my phone can't. Sure. And so that you sort of um, mitigates the need, you know, the desire and overall need for an Apple Watch. Um, I Like, I've considered getting one you know getting one over the years just to test out like for things like beta testing or see how certain things work as an experiment but um but i feel like for testing if you don't have a pre-established use case you can't perform a fair test so that's where yeah um okay so that's kind of where i stand that's fair i think a lot of people are probably in your boat it's like you know i got the iphone it does pretty much everything i need and so i don't really need a watch at this point i'd be curious now there was the second apple watch that we mentioned and which is the apple watch se so this is the second generation and what's really unique about this is this did get a big update so in terms of um size factor and things like that this is something we want to look forward to and this is it so we're talking about a 30 percent size increase so the face size is bigger and 20 percent faster so this got the new h series chip in it so it um is now pretty quick and fast it also has a crash detection now the sc of course doesn't have all the sensors in it so it's not going to get the blood oxidation or the AFib sensor, any of those sensors it doesn't include. But 
for an SC, I thought this was a big update for it. And it still mm-hmm. is at $249, which is not bad considering it's $399 for the regular Apple Watch itself. So let's go with Dave on this. Um, are you? What do you thought of the SC itself and what prevents you from going to an SC instead of just the regular watch? I think it's, it's a great deal, actually, the SC. Um, I think for a lot of people... If you, you know, and if you're in Tyler's boat and you're kind of thinking, well, maybe I'll try an Apple Watch. I think this is a great way to go. It's a really good price point, and it has it does most of what the Series Eight does. It's like you say, it's one or two of the sensors, and it does like you know your heart regular kind of heart measurement. Like if you're out for a run, it'll it'll track your heartbeat. You know what I mean? It's the kind of more complex stuff like the ECG um, and the blood oxygen that it doesn't have. Right. So. I think it is definitely a good deal. I think versus a Series 4, maybe, which I have now, I don't know if it's much different because it doesn't... What I'm missing in this one is the blood oxygen (laughs) as well. Um, And maybe I just need a speed bump in another year. But, you know, so maybe next year if there's another SE, I would consider the SE... um, Rather than say the series nine or whatever, if, if they if they do really, again. so you would yeah. probably consider an SE third generation when the next one comes out instead of just a regular yeah. version, huh? I'd certainly look at them. I'd certainly give yeah. it give it serious thought. Hmm. Um, and it's like it's funny, like because you know when you're asking Tyler about what would make him buy an Apple Watch, and for me, like the Apple Watch is a lot of little things that I like. So I do do fitness tracking. I got you know, and when, when I run, I like to I use it for kind of timing and keeping an eye on the heart rate and things like that. But it's even the notifications. I prefer getting a little buzz on my wrist, a silent buzz on my wrist, versus getting um, my phone making noises and so on. And So it comes down to sounding like the both of you are looking for something that would benefit you. So what you get, what you want, is already on the SE, where I want more of the health aspect for the EKG and the AFib and those sort of things as I get older. I do like that now, and I have that on the Series 4. I have the EKG. Mm-hmm. Um, so the blood oxygen would interest me, and that's, you know, sensors like that are what would probably make my mind up, you know, how valuable are those sen- extra sensors that the, <laughs> Tyler, the regular you, watch has, and that's the decision I'd have to make. Tyler, what do you think of the SE then for this year? The SE, I think it's a good update um for people who are looking to get into the apple watch like if i was looking to get an apple watch i think the se would be what i'd get um rather than dive headfirst into a series eight which is interesting and we can go into more about this later when we talk about the iphone is that the apple watch series eight and the apple watch se have the same chip the budget and the mid-range and presumably the ultra and the iPhone, which is interesting, as they're doing for the first year, is they are, you know, while they're doing this fit chip parity with the Apple Watch, they're separating it for the iPhone between the A15 Bionic with five GPU cores versus the new A16 Bionic. So that was just an interesting observation, the divergent directions they're going with that. I don't know if that's just for this year with you know, with the chip manufacturing um, issues that have have plagued the industry, or if this that's part of their more long term strategy, I don't know. But just an interesting observation that I found. That is interesting. How all three watches have the same chip, as you say, where the iPhones are a little different this year. Um, they've been like that with the iPhone. It had differentiate a little bit, but um, as. Tyler has mentioned, yes, we now have a new Apple Watch now called the Watch Ultra, which I thought was going to be the Watch Pro, but the Watch Ultra is the new name for this new rugged device that's geared for athletes and explorers out there alike. Really, um, this is going to be a more of a heavy-duty style watch that's going to be able to endure extreme weather um, and things like that. This is going to be definitely hardcore watch users. I think this is going to be more towards people that are in or with activities that's going to have to have heavy impact on the watch. So to say the typical watch is more fragile and temperamental as into temperatures and things like that. So this is more of an ultra version. This baby is in a titanium casing. I mean, if you need to 
say anything else. Titanium always like, oh, I love titanium. Um, so it's durable. So it's going to be very durable and tough to bend or crack or niche. Um, what I really was blown away, um, one of the surprises I got was this baby is 49 millimeter. I, yep. That is huge um, compared to my, I think mine is a 41. So I was thinking, holy smokes, that's so much bigger. They in, introduced a new speakers to it. So now it's got louder. So if you are into something, you need more of a louder audio. This is something you might want to contend with and think about. My understanding is supposed to be twice as loud, which is pretty loud already, I thought. So to make it twice as loud, that's really super. Um, that can probably be useful for those out there that are using this for voiceover and not able to hear very well with some sort of a hearing impairment. This louder audio might be something for you to consider. And has a bigger crown diameter, so for those wearing gloves, so if you're in football or baseball, whatever, um, winter, you'll be able to adjust the crown easier. It has a whopping 36 hours of battery life on this, which is, I think, it's just unbelievable. It has an additional button, which they call the action button. This button will be configured to, to your liking. So let's just say if you're a runner, you can mark your segment, um, your waypoints on the tr running trail or marathon. It has issues for divers. They can see how deep they are and within water and et cetera. The we it is able to go down to thirty meters. That is unbelievable. That is a that's like hundred and forty feet, I think. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> um, and I was also surprised that it was only seven hundred ninety nine. Now I I I I'll catch myself. I said only because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be nine ninety nine. Seven ninety nine. Yeah, that is a chunk of change, but. You're getting a really good quality watch. Dave, what do you think of the Ultra? Um, really cool. Not for me, but really <laughs> cool. So, um, like, the big screen, I guess, like you say, yeah, massive screen, so you're out and people want to see their maps, things like that, I guess. Uh, you're out in a windy mountain somewhere you want to hear, so you need that extra speaker. This is the kind of way I think they were selling it, is that it's very much rugged kind of thing. I like, I really like the idea of that action button. I'd quite like that on my watch. Um, I can imagine, you know, there's uses where you might find that having an extra button for things like segments or whatever it might be might be useful. But um, I was thinking more for those with accessibility needs. So mm. the bigger screen, definitely. If you're low vision, you want a bigger screen. Apple Watch isn't big enough. Um, this definitely would be bigger. Um, the ladder audio, like you mentioned, you know, they tout that as one of those kind of like, here I am. There was a moment there where they did a demonstration of this piercing sound. It was really like a really high pitch. And I want to say it was like 180 decibel that it produced. And it can be heard by 600 feet. So somebody was trying to find you, you can admit. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, that is really loud. So that like kind when, of gives... uh, You know when you're on a plane and they give you the life jacket with the whistle? Oh, okay. <laughs> whistle. You, you, can set, like, you can set off your watch to go. That is amazing. And so it's not for me either. I I would never have any interest in this um, unless I was a hot diehard scuba diver. This would be mm. definitely for, I mean, they and made a, they tout that big time for divers. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting as well is like, because it's so much bigger and chunkier, is it a watch that I know it has huge battery life, but maybe you want to wear it all weekend on a weekend away adventuring, but do you want to wear it Monday to Friday you know what I mean in your day to day is it or is it too big and chunky and uncomfortable I don't know I'd be interested to see kind of how big and chunky it really feels in real life but uh, I don't feel like I want a bigger watch that is an interesting question Dave is it's like you say if you're a let's just say I'm a businessman and I got to go to work on the weekdays and then I do these sports or whatever not on the weekends is this watch going to be something i can wear all the time i almost say no because like you said it'd be too big now if you're a, a big person then this watch is probably going to be for you but i'm thinking these uh smaller size people 
Um, like my mom would be like five foot tall. So, I mean, could you imagine she would yeah. never get that because it's just too big? Yeah. I mean, I'm still one of those delusional people who's hoping they'll bring out a, a, a round one, but. Um. <laughs> well, it would be very enticing if I was into hardcore outdoor exploration or deep diving or something like that. But as I'm not, I don't see much of a use case kind of a similar rationale for me why I'm not particularly interested in the other Apple Watch models. This baby's big and chunky, isn't it? It is. <laughs> um, is there a 49 millimeters? Yep. I saw? The screen is yeah. 49 millimeter, which is going to be big. I think this is definitely going to be a niche market. Um, mm-hmm. I can see some people loving this and most of us not. So that's going to be what I think is going to happen. But I am glad that they finally came out with the rugged version. This has been long overdue. I know lots of people wanted an Apple Watch that they can wear during sports um, that isn't going to be fragile and break. Um, So that makes a lot of sense to me. Hey, let's go ahead on to the next segment. Do you know, what's that? There's one other point on watch, actually. What you got? I'm curious to know because they mentioned international roaming. Yes. Now, I'm here in Ireland, and we don't even have the cellular Apple Watch. Um, they really? never brought it out here. And I'm guessing there's a lot of other countries the same. So I'm wondering, is this a signal that maybe we'll get other countries will also get the cellular one? Or is it just a case that the people in the countries like yourself who have it, will be able, will you be able to come to Ireland and use your one, but I can't get one? <laughs> so I'm curious to see. Um, yes, because um, so here they give us a cell watch version, and it connected to our carrier when we go international say we go to europe for example we are stuck with international roaming with our carriers so this is kind of a subpar um, when it comes to data transfers and um, phone calls costs money text is free um, so we have to pay a certain dollars to get 4g instead of lte or i'm sorry 3g um, that I am curious. I didn't realize they don't sell the cell version in Ireland. I'm curious if Europe does, because you guys don't have international roaming. It's all part of the EU. It's covered, right? It's yeah, kind of. It's roaming within the EU. You can use your your at home um, stuff at the same cost, uh, but there's data limits. That's the only difference. Okay. So you're confronted the same limitations we do. Um, maybe roaming would be a better word than international roaming. Maybe. I don't maybe. Know. <laughs> I know that if you come here in the United States with one, um, you'll be using international roaming. So mm-hmm. that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I just I do know what it's like if we go to Europe. We're on international roaming, which is a yeah. whole different. I just thought it was interesting they mentioned international roaming on the Apple right. Watch. They made a. They tout that. I was like, "Huh, okay, that's interesting." Not that it's a big deal, but anywho, um, this one is for you, Dave. I'm. I was thinking of you on this. I don't think this will suit Tyler and I since we're hearing impaired, so we both have hearing aids. I would love to get one of these, but it's it just won't work. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about the AirPods 2.0. So yes, the second generation is now here finally. It has the new H2 chip technology, so it has a better, faster chip within the AirPod 2. AirPod Pro 2, we should say. AirPod Pro 2. That's, is, you know, I wonder if they're going to be calling that AirPod 2 or AirPod Pro. So it'll definitely have the Pro, whether it'll have the 2. AirPod yeah. Pro. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's got better clarity. It's got the new low de- distortion features that allows you to be able to hear things better than ever it has a personalized spatial audio feature and my favorite is that it has double the power of uh, active noise cancellation i thought wow Mm. double and then it has something called adaptive transparency mode i love this too this means that anything that's really loud while you're in transparency mode will be automatically reduced for you so you're not left wincing to the loud noise coming through transparency 
it has finally we i always thought the touch control would come with the first generation did not you have these buttons now they have touch control on there so you just swipe up and down to increase volumes and it has a six hours life which is a 30 percent longer um battery life for your airpod pro and it has a lovely speaker added to the battery case or the case itself, which I really love. So now yeah. you can be able to do the find my and find your case. But my favorite is the wash charger. You can now use Apple wash charger to charge your case along with a MagSafe. I mean, wow. And it's still at the price of $249. All right, Dave, this is for your time to shine. I know you love oh, AirPod yes. Pro. Tell me about it. Oh, I am. Yeah, this this stole the show for me because yeah, this is the one thing that will have me opening my wallet um, next next week. I think. <laughs> um, I genuinely think like for me, AirPods and AirPods Pro are among the very best products that Apple have released in the last decade. Like I think they're amazing or five years whatever it's been um i absolutely love my airpods pro and they're now coming up to three years old i think the airpods pro if i'm not mistaken and mine are still running well and the battery hasn't completely died i'm still getting a good couple of two three hours i think out of them you know so i could hang on a while longer but at the same time yeah i i I see these in my future (laughs) um i i'm i'm jealous i it would be so awesome but i can't complain i have the airpod max but Mm. this would be so nice to have in place yeah and look, i love the I, 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 the, the, the noise cancellation on airpods pro is decent for what they are it's not amazing so the fact that that's getting better um is really cool um so i'm really happy to see that and i think yeah the new charging being able to even though i would prefer if it was USB-C rather than lightning as a wired option the fact that now you can charge them on your uh, watch charger or magsafe is brilliant because before the current AirPods Pro, you can do them wirelessly, charge them wirelessly, but there was no magnetic, so you had to kind of sit it perfectly on the on the thing, and it was very awkward. And uh, the fact that there's a sound as well, so you know the connect now when you connect, it'll actually make a little sound like your phone does, so that you know it's charging. Which again, for people in our community, it is quite a useful feature. So there's a lot of those little features as well. I'm yeah, I think these are great. That's what makes us so compelling is that when you look at the difference between the previous version, whether that's watch, phone, or AirPod Pro, this definitely has the biggest tick box being checked off for me as in whoa this is kind of big this is big this is big mm-hmm. i think this is a night and day difference um when it comes to one version to another and it didn't surprise me they stuck with the lightning i think because this was in design and um they were going through models of this early in the of this year so USB-C wasn't really being discussed or being required and so it didn't surprise me but i assure you and we all know the airpod pro 3 will definitely have that Mm -hmm. but i was thinking yes this is huge for you dave i i was like hmm i bet he's gonna get it i bet he's gonna get it (laughs) um tyler you're just like me we're hairy impaired so this doesn't really affect us but i thought this was a really cool um device if i could use it that would be the same for you Yes. Um, one thing that I was reading a little about, but I didn't hear much about it today, is audio switching. That's something that a lot of people in our community have talked about. And, you know, the unreliability of Bluetooth audio switching between AirPods and Mac and iPhone and Apple Watch. And if there was a way, if there was talk that this new second generation AirPods Pro would improve upon that tech and make it more seamless. I, I didn't hear much about that today, but I'm curious what... They mentioned that it that now has a U1 LD chip audio. in it. And that U1 chip is what makes connectivity magic. I know that makes a big difference on my HomePod Mini, is that U1 chip in there. Um, yeah, did you so hear the, that, Dave? The U1 yeah, chip? I, I, yeah, I heard that in the presentation, um, but it was like Tyler, and I think there was a bit of chatter on our own um, team email about about it earlier about articles that were talking about better connection it would be great what i find is it's if you're talking about just media as they are they work pretty well so i start mm. playing something on my phone it'll um 
it'll pick that up. If I then pick up my iPad and start playing something on YouTube, it'll switch over automatically. It kind of works. Where we have problems is voiceover doesn't switch um, mm. reliably. Gotcha. And I, I would particularly find when I'm out and about, I find it's very difficult to use my Apple Watch because I can't hear voiceover when I'm out and about very well. So gotcha. if I could, if I wear my AirPod, AirPods and I could just look at my Apple Watch and AirPods would just take the audio and then go back to my phone and the AirPods would take the audio back from that, that would be great. Here's for hoping. I think, I, I, you know, I'm, only, I'm just going out on the limb on this, but I would think the connectivity is better. I, I mean, for a second generation, you know, they always try to make things better. Let's hope that's in there. Um, well, let's dive into the last segment of this podcast, and we are going to talk about the various iPhones. So the first time ever, Apple have kind of broken this down into two segments for the iPhones. So we have the standard iPhone users. And then we have the iPhone Pro user. So we're going to focus on the standard phone for now. And this is goodbye to the mini and hello to the iPhone Plus. So I was going to say, can we have a moment's silence for the uh, mini? <laughs> a moment of silence here for Dave. He's going to miss his mini. And I think he is not alone. I think there's going to be a lot of people going to be wincing to the fact that there is no more mini so we're going back to the standard 6.1 inch for the standard iphone 14 and the iphone 14 plus is now going to be the 6.7 inch models but we can talk about the new things that are going to be in this phone so to me i think they're lackluster so let's dive into it the chip that is in this phone is not the same as is it going to be with the iphone 14 pro this is the first time ever that they've done this splitting up with the chip and i am not a big fan of this um i i'm thinking they're doing this because of cost effectiveness as inflation is going so high high they don't want to raise the price but they got to figure out how to keep the price as is and i think that's one of the compromise they had to do so the chip in this iphone 14 iphone 14 plus is the same chip you will find in the iphone 13 pro so it is an update over the iphone 13 but you get the iphone 13 pro chip in this new iphone 14 um yeah so if that's not clear it's because last year they were both on the a15 chip and had the bionic version is that it and it has just more of a graphic yes. graphics graphics modules so it had a it kind of it's the same chip but it was in a, a slightly enhanced version of the same chip whereas this time it's a15 bionic in one and a16 in the other so it's Exactly. Two different chipsets. So you got more of the enhanced version, what 13 Pro got, but you'll be getting an iPhone 14. Um, the other surprise, I was stunned. I'll be honest, I was completely stunned that they kept at the 12 megapixel camera. Um, yes, it has better aperture that helps you with low lighting, better focusing and things like that. It does have a new action mode for video, so it has better stabilization for video. And then I was not surprised, but I forgot about this, is that the U.S. models will now have this new digital eSIM. So no more SIM trays for us. That is going to be a huge question for me, as in what if, how is this going to work? I mean... Not always am I available to go to my carrier and get a SIM change, but do I have to go to carrier or is this going to be all digitally done over the air? So if I got a new carrier, does it just work magically? How does this work? I don't know. There's a lot of questions around this. Hmm. That passed me by entirely, that piece of news, because I had heard rumors that that was coming in the iPhone 15 next year. Mm. So that is done, but it's for U.S. models only. It has the standard crash detection as we found in our watch, which is kind of a cool thing. So it has new accelerometer and gyroscope. But the big thing they touted was the emergency SOS via satellite. Now, let me explain this a little bit to our folks here. This is meaning if you are in an area without cell, you are able to, to connect 
your phone directly to a satellite above you, but in a limited fashion. So in other words, it's not like I can text my friends back and forth. It's for emergency messaging, my understanding, to emergency responder that will help you, assist you, find you, rescue, whatever you need. However, it does have a Find My location. So you can share your Find My with your friends to tell them where you are at. So they'll be able to, you want to update them as you're hiking or camping where you don't have cell reception. The thing is about this, guys, is that it says the first two years is free. Uh? I was like, oh, this is going to be a service? Um, I'd be, I really want to hear what you guys thought on the standard phone so let's start with tyler so the iphone 14 i agree is lackluster i don't like what they've done with the chips you know i I think it's confusing because we have the iphone 14 with the a15 and the iphone 14 pro with the a16 and further complicating things we have the watch which has you know the the se and the watch, the regular watch, and the Ultra have the same chip. And then with the Apple Silicon-based Macs, with similar architecture, we have, like, the trend of M1, you know, for the low-end or sort of consumer-grade machines. And then we have, like, M1 Pro, M1 Max, M1 Ultra, and then M2. And then I assume we'll be getting, like, M2 Pro, M2 Ultra, or whatever. Um, and so now we have different you know, different chip numberings in mar- at least marketing names for different iPhone models, say A15 series chips versus A16 ser- series chips for iPhones of the same generation. That's a, that is a really a different strategy, and it makes me wonder if perhaps this will be just this year with because of, due to the ongoing chip shortage and related supply constraints, or if the if this is part of something broader. I think it's more cost effective. I think they are, as I mentioned before, I think this is all about cost. Inflation, um, look at the camera. They had to get rid of the 48 megapixel, which we're going to have on the Pro, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So they couldn't raise, they couldn't put that new in there. And they really couldn't go with a newer chip because that's going to cost more. And I really think it comes down to inflation. But like you, Tyler, it was lackluster. I'm thinking, seriously, um, if I had a choice between a 13 iPhone 13 Pro and an i14, and that's we're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars cheaper to get the iPhone 13 Pro, I almost say get that because I really don't see anything in the iPhone 14 that would out-benefit what the iPhone 13 Pro I was going to say that. What is I- your thought, Dave? I don't know what the difference is between an iPhone 13 Pro and an iPhone 14 regular. I'm not sure if there's any substantial difference, except the 13 Pro has the stainless steel <laughs> build, so it's right. possibly better. It's got <laughs> so. the same chip as the 13 Pro. It's got the same camera as the 13 Pro. And I'm thinking, I, yeah, I'm, I'm missing something. Yeah, it's it's a 13 Pro in an iPhone 14 body, it seems to me. Um, yes. And I think you're right with cost-effectiveness, and I think it's maybe they're trying to get into a situation where it's, there's more differentiation between the regular and the Pro, because maybe in the 12 and 13, maybe people went for the, the lower one because they didn't really see mm-hmm. the benefit in upgrading to the Pro and paying that extra for the Pro. So now maybe it's to try and, yeah, just put a bit more of a gap between the regular and the Pro. But It was brilliancy behind apple now to as a consumer it sucked it just really sucks but for a business for Apple's side it was brilliant it's about time they split it up and it made a difference between the two phones we've always had years after years it's like why do i need a pro when i got the same chip here there and i got the same camera blah 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 and now this year completely different um wow i i I don't know. So if you would get a new phone, say, Dave, would you stay with your iPhone 14 or your standards as you did with the Mini? I don't know. Um, If Tim is listening, I have a 12 Mini now, and I definitely am not buying a new phone this year. And if there was an iPhone 14 Mini, I may have. (laughs) So (laughs) 
Um, but if I am, when I get to the point now, you know, the mini is not going to be around forever, obviously. So when I get to the point of a new phone, it would be the 6.1. It would be the smaller phone I would get. I don't think I'd bother going pro. I don't, because hmm. the pro to me seems to be like, if you're really into photography, I didn't see a whole lot else. Okay, it's got the newer, faster chip, but we all know now that, to be fair, the phone, last year's chip is still pretty good. <laughs> so, Well, that's um, an interesting point. That's a very good point. What about you, Tyler? Do you think that's the same point as Dave? Do you think that there isn't much in a pro that you would want? Yeah, there really isn't. And I feel like phones in the last couple of years, like as they've, as upgrades have become more iterative and incremental, not just from Apple, but from other smartphone makers too, I feel like the camera is really one of the main things that gets upgraded each year. And for me, as a totally blind person, the camera, I mean, yes, it's useful in that, you know, using things like seeing AI and, th- and you know, tools like that. But for the type of advanced photography features that they hype, that doesn't do much for me at all to move the needle. So year by, you know, year over year, I think about comparing iPhone models from one year to another, it's not like it doesn't make a huge difference to me and okay. certainly doesn't justify the cost just to I get a as well. camera with features like that and chips, you know, and chips that, while impressively fast, or the existing chips, I don't even probably don't even use that to its full potential. So true. The, you know. I think one benefit is that the iPhone 14. I will tell you right now why I see one benefit with this is that you can get the iPhone 14 Plus. This means yes, you got a big hunkier phone, but you're not spending as much as a Pro Max costs. And you get that substantial battery life difference. So that could be a big thing for some people out there that Definitely. want a better battery life but don't mind a bigger size. Or just a lot of people just like the big screen. Right. You know, they really do. Um, and, yeah, that you don't have to go up to the Pro now to get that big screen is a great move by Apple. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. And I think that's the only beneficial I can see of the iPhone 14. All right, so now... We have the upper tier now, which is the iPhone 14 Pro models. So we still have the Pro models, which got the iPhone Pro and the iPhone Pro Max. So it's the same size, 6.1 for the Pro and 6.7 for the Max. So it's the same size models. Um, What is weird, and none of us really understand this quite yet, and this is they tout this dynamic island. So you're going to hear this quite a bit if you're a pro user. Um, As I mentioned before in Unleashed, we have talked about they're going to get rid of the notch. And sure enough, they got rid of the notch, and they have this new pill-shaped display. Um, Within this area, my understanding is what they call the dynamic island. And supposedly, instead of not using that real estate on the sides, I'm guessing here, an assumption, I haven't seen it, is that they've now filled this area with a dynamic island. This is where you're going to have some new features with live activities. Um, You're going to get notification in this. So in other words, it's a little area so you can see how much um, time is left on your timer. Um, It will show you your, your next direction step up there just various things that are just like mind-boggling to me because i don't have one in hand and i'm really curious how this is going to work for us with the status bar does that mean the status bar is below the dynamic island or the status bar is meshed in in this area i don't know and it sounds i i know that apple will make sure this is accessible but this is probably the most complex and puzzling piece for us that are in a community um, yeah. of being blind. I'm um, at a complete loss on this one. I don't I don't understand where it is or what it is properly at all. We already I, have yeah. you know, no matter what iPhone you have, you have lock screen widgets now. We're getting live update right. thingies anyway. <laughs> so I'm not let's sure just, what the let's advantage just introduce of this thing something. is. We don't know. Um, obviously for those who are visual, we're able to see it. I'm assuming it's up in the top middle still. Um, I still think you're going to have this void on each side of it. As I'm just assuming it can't. I don't think this displays to the left or right. Um, 
who knows but um so let's talk about some new features on this now one of the big thing i notice is the higher brightness i why i bring this up is because the brightness level is more intense so the brightness is even brighter i was thinking for my low vision listeners probably would like to see one of these see if the brightness is with something that might be useful to you especially when you're outside in a daylight circumstance where things could be brighter for you so i always want to make a note of that um, as always i mentioned that the always on sure enough got the mm-hmm. always on mode um they have this on the apple watch which i never use i turn that off i don't see this beneficial for us that are blind but for low vision i think they probably take advantage of this um as tyler says this has the new a16 chip so this is a chip up from what we got in iphone 13 now what's amazing about this is the camera did get a massive update they did get to the 48 megapixel camera um you know i don't think ocr is going to be any better with this i think ocr is really good i don't think you're going to get any big difference um in ocr maybe if it's further away it may be able to be able to read it better um it has improved flash, which is kind of a cool thing. It has doubled the uh, the brightness of the flash, and it has more of a control what the flash does. So it kind of situates what it sees and how much of a power to give flash. And I was surprised that they stayed with a standard price of $999 for the Pro and $1,099 for the Pro Max. Now, over to you guys. So we'll go with Dave first. What is your thought on the Pro models? Yeah, pretty much as expected. I think it's um, it's it's mostly, you know, about the cameras and the screen. They're the they're the key kind of differences. Yeah, it's a different build as well. It's got the stainless steel. Some, and some people like that. Some people prefer the aluminum anyway. <laughs> so um, that's a subjective thing anyway. Um, it'll do well among people who really care, really deeply care about the camera um and i have to say you know i know tyler said like you know being blind not that it's not that much of a priority there's plenty of people like i can't think i have friends and family who like their cameras they take loads of photos of their kids and stuff but they don't obsess over the quality of the camera to the extent i don't think that they would really care that much about about the either so i do think it's it's a subset of people but some people just want to have the best you know what i mean the best that they can get it's a niche Um, it's going to be a niche market when it comes to that the always on is interesting because yeah. um, I do know friends of family who maybe have moved from Android over to iPhone and have kind of bemoaned the loss of that feature. So mm. um, I know for people who yeah who can, who can take advantage of it all, always on people do like it. So I think that's uh, good. I assume I didn't hear it differently. So I assume it's still only the Pro that has the 120 hertz display as well, which matters to people um you know sighted people and possibly low vision people but i could be wrong about that my understanding is still the same so the pro only has 120 hertz fresh the only thing i've heard they changed differently is the low power mode was the um always on it's only on the pro which has got the one hertz refresh mm-hmm. but i think it remains the same yeah so there's some, some good features there um if you're after a new phone and you really do care about those kind of screen and camera features, it's, um, yeah, it's and good don't forget the again, If you're on the 13 Pro, yeah, it's probably not going to be necessary, but if you're on a, an iPhone 10 or something, you're going to be looking at this phone. Definitely. And LiDAR, obviously, you're still on the Pro only as well. How about you, Tyler? What do you think of this Pro stuff? Yeah, so if you're really into that kind of photography, like the type of photography photography features that they were talking about today, then yeah, I think the Pro would be a good phone. Um, I didn't see anything that would make me want to upgrade, and I don't think I'm going to be... My goal at this point is to not get any new phones until I either know more about the upcoming USB-C transition or I see a USB-C iPhone because I just don't think it makes much sense to get a phone with Lightning now, only to get you know, to have iPhones with USB-C and have my charging cables and other possible accessories become deprecated or obsolete in 
as little as a year. Um, one other benefit possible, I was just thinking in my head, benefits of the Pro, a Pro model iPhone over a standard model would be LiDAR, theoretically. Now, LiDAR came out two years ago, or was introduced in the iPhone two years ago, and it had, there was a lot of talk about its potential, but nothing really came of it. There's this new feature, door detection, in iOS 16, and I don't have a Pro model, so I can't test that. But I haven't, for all that was made about it back you know, in May with GAAD, I, I haven't really heard much of it, you know, and I think the use is being a pro, you know, a feature limited to LiDAR-equipped phones. It, it does sound like a pretty limited niche feature, and so if they really wanted to expand LiDAR, I think in the, you know, in the future, if they brought that down to something like the a mid-range or standard phone like the iPhone 14, something like that, that could sweeten the deal along with, for sighted people or perhaps low vision people, along with the 120 hertz refresh rate as something to make that phone, you know, some, somewhat more appealing. I mean, ideally for me, uh, my idea of a phone is a small screen with good performance. That's what I... Um, yeah. Um, so I'm a iPhone 12 Pro user. Um, as like everybody else, there's nothing here that I would say I want. Um, I'm with Tyler. I'm waiting for the next year model when the USB-C comes out. This is going to be definitely for those that want the Lightning version and want want it for one last version of iPhone with the Lightning port. This is for you if you want to hang out with this for another four years before you get another phone. I think that'll be for you. Um, when it comes down to accessibility, here's what I think is that with iPhone 14 Plus, it's going to be great for the low vision folks that gets a bigger real estate. However, the iPhone 14 Pro will give you a better brightness. Um, you got better refresh, so it's a little bit clearer. So there's some ups and downs, um, pros and cons to each of these versions of the models that you probably want to look into. I probably will stick with my Pro. If I were to say I want to update it today, I'd probably get the Pro. Um, the reason is it's pricing. Um, to me, it's $200 difference between the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Pro. It used to be $300. That used to make a big, that was a big enough difference. But we're talking about $4 a month for me different um, because I purchase it or at least out for a month so four bucks more i just i'll just get a pro um hands down because it's just got um newer things on it i think those with low vision might have better results with better camera being able to see things better clarity and excel but that's just my thoughts um i appreciate you guys talking about your thoughts on the iphone 14 um and then lastly before we head on out of here and I'll get you guys last input is iOS 16 will be out coming this Monday, which is the 12th of September of 2022 when you're listening to this podcast. So look for that. What anything you guys like to discuss um, that we might have missed out or final inputs for the this year Apple far out event. Well, as far as iOS 16, there's not a, a big feature that really shakes my world. Um, lock screens, I'm just going to come out and say it's awkward. The custom lock screens at the time at this time is really, the interface is awkward and clunky. I'm not crazy about it. Not to say that it couldn't improve in the future. It probably will. But right now, I don't use that. As far as features of iOS 16, I like those like, little enhancements like the weather app, for example, has some more detail, and at least in my experience from testing it and comparing it to the forecasts at the same time with the iOS 15 weather app. I feel like, I don't know if it's my imagination or what, because I don't have anything to prove this empirically, but I do find it does seem more, the forecasts seem more detailed and more accurate um, with the iOS 16 weather app. And in addition with that app natively, I can get severe weather alerts um, for my area, I know that's not available everywhere, but that's something that I think w you know would be helpful to get 
um, just to have notifications for something like that. And the only other things I can think of, um, something like email scheduling, I can see me see myself using that occasionally. Um, and that's pretty pretty much, you know, I've experimented with. I'll tell you what's crazy is using eloquence on iOS 16 and Mac OS Ventura. It's almost <laughs> like trippy in a way. Like, um, it's like, what the heck? Like, cause you picture, like, at least for me, I associate eloquence with jaws, you know, on windows. So when I hear the, a voice that sounds like a voice I would use on jaws, say safari actions available, I'm thinking, wait, what, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Eloquence isn't something I have. I know a lot of people in the community have a fairly significant attachment to, um, for me, I just use it to, to play with it. I, I'm predominantly use the Alex voice, but um, I do use Eloquence every um, every once in a while. Um, um, even just to like to mess with my own mind, I feel like because again, it's almost like it sounds like you hear. I almost at the beginning, at least, I was I'd be like asking myself. It's almost like getting Jaws on an iOS device or Mac, right. um, but that's kind of my impression of iOS 16. Um, and the only other thing I would say is that. As far as pro, just random thought, um, as far as pro models and standard models having two screen sizes, that sounds, cons- you know, what they're doing with that sounds consistent with what reports say that their direction will be going forward, even in terms of the Mac, which are, which it, I guess the idea is that they'd have a MacBook Air for 13 inches, like what they have now, in addition to a 15 inch MacBook Air. And then a 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pro. So that that's interesting. I guess they're going to appeal to consumers who want a consumer-grade device with a bigger screen, um, but not Pro. That's my impression. So I would expect, you know, we can. I would say that we can expect more of that in the future. Hmm. How about you, Dave? Yeah, uh, iOS 16. I actually, I kind of like the lock screen. They definitely could improve the how you actually go about it but mm-hmm. i do like having those little like weather widgets and my little f- fitness activity rings and things on the um on the lock screen but yeah needs a bit of improvement and those weather things are cool there's a little thing focus improvements that i really like so before if i'm not mistaken you could only say i want to allow these people or i want to allow these apps whereas now you can also reverse that and say i want to allow everything except for these people and these apps. So I have now got a personal mode set up where at the weekend or in the evenings, I turn on personal mode and it wipes out, it you know blocks out my work apps, but everything else is allowed, you know, that kind of thing. So that's a nice little um, improvement to focus um, that I quite like. Um, and yeah, that's about it really on the far out. I, found it, I thought it was interesting just the naming that they went with iPhone 14 plus, not Max. Um, but it's the iPhone Pro Max. Um, but yeah, that's just uh, something I noticed. Makes you wonder if they did that purposely so people don't get confused with the Max. So there's a mm. difference, Plus or the Max. Yes, yeah, so you've got four very distinct names, like right. iPhone 14, 14 Instead Pro, of the same naming convention. But mm. I'm with Dave on this. I think my most favorite thing is the lock screen, customization, and the focus that's my two most favorite everything else is gravy everything else is that's cool that's cool but i am a huge fan of the lock screen customization now like what tyler says as of the first version of your ios 16 um it is not great it's clunky it's not straightforward to understand and some areas doesn't work i have a hard time adding different widgets Mm -hmm. um just adding things is you should be able to just double tap that and add it and it doesn't um it just depends where you are and what you're doing hopefully i know unfortunately i i don't think we'll see any improvements on that until we see 16.1 which would be another month out um which we'll see that um i don't have any additional thing to say for the far out i thought well, it wasn't as far out as I want it to be, but I wasn't expecting much to go into this. I think, 
Kyler hits it right on the head. I think this is the new scheme, and I think this is a new direction they're going to go with, is that we're going to have these different models like they are now. That's going to be the thing. Differential and chip and et cetera is going to be a big difference between the regular model and the pro. I think that's going to be um, something that's going to be more common. But Until the iPhone flip and the iPhone folds. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the flip phone. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine the fold phone? Oh, uh, yeah. And I can get a nine inches phone fold out. <laughs> Woo. Um, that's for another day, right? Also with the Apple headset, the AR headset. Um, you know, Tyler mentioned about the LiDAR. I agree. I think it's kind of lackluster. Um, yes, neat. It does some things. However, I do have some friends out there that really are digging the new door detection. Um, they have some unique position where they're in subways, buses. I can see that for them, how that can be very beneficial to them as myself. I don't really use it that much. So obviously to me, I don't see that big of a difference. Um, but I think the AR headset, oh, wow, that's going to make a big difference. We've got door detection, LiDAR on that. But anywho, this is Extra Number 88 here with Dave Nason and Tyler Steven. My name is Thomas Donville, also known as Anonymous. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Until next time, bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the community of AppleVis.com for the latest in resources and tips and tricks to get you the best experience from your Apple device. Visit www.applevis.com.